Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To learn more about who we are as a community or to financially support Neighborhood, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. All right. So today I am wrapping up, like, I, I like doing things in, like, um, series. And I don't always tell people that we're in a series because I always think, well, no one really cares if we're in a series unless the person who's giving it. But secretly, we've been in a series for the last couple of weeks of uh, conversations that I felt would be appropriate um, as um, starting in our new space. And just so you know, like when people don't sit in the front, I always just gravitate towards like the close, and I get really awkwardly close to people sometimes, so I apologize. <laughs> That's going to keep people just moving back and back and back. Pretty soon everyone's going to be in the balcony. Um, what am I talking about? Oh, so the, the, the series of the first week we talked on um, John five sixteen and how um, uh, God says my father's always at work and what that work looks like. Last week we talked about being in the, the in between these boundaries and in the wildness we can reimagine what life or faith or um, belonging might mean. And today we're talking about uh, summer plans. Nikki and I, we're celebrating our 20th anniversary uh, June 14th is the day, <laughs> the day we got married, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm excited, I, but Nikki and I have known each other since uh, we were 13, so it's been like, it's been a while, so it's, it's, it's good, it's a, it's a good while, it's a good while, um, but we we're talking about like, hey, we should get away for a couple, a couple nights, and so we're like, we met at the Boreal House, which is one of our favorite places over here in uh, West Duluth, and um, we're like, hey, before we plan what we're going to do, when can we get away, and we soon figure out we don't have any time it's summer it's like summer should just be done already we have no weekends we have camp we got sports camp we got driver's ed we don't have summer school thank you god all right but we um but we have like um two kids are gonna have jobs it's like it's it's crazy how busy it is we found some time that we're gonna get away but it got me thinking of like in the winter because there's no spring um i I think and I fantasize about all that I'm going to do in the summer. I'm going to go see Wilco here, and I'm going to go play this golf course, and I'm going to go to this person's house. And, we're gonna, like, and it's like I make millions of dollars because it's like I could just spend all of it in my head. But when you get to like the reality and look at A, your budget, and B, like your schedule and your time, you really can't do it all, right? And for as someone who I, on the Enneagram – I'm a, I call myself a 37, right? I'm a three, but I'm really kind of a seven, and the seven is like you want to be the life of the party. You just want to experience all things. The seven in me dies when I have to live in reality of what I can really do. But it got me thinking of, um, in my head, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, people like this, they get to do those things. People uh, like this, they, they have the time or the money, and they can just do whatever they want. People like me have to be more restrained, right? <laughs> and it, it got me thinking of like, oh man, how often do I live in that space where um, I, I, I create this like, this avenue of like staying in your lane and my lane is people like me. And we do this at times because we look at other people and say, well, they get everything. They're the beautiful people. They have access to this. They have more friends. They have the time of their life, blah, blah, blah. Whatever narrative we make up might not always be true. And it got me thinking, of how we do this in family systems. Well, our family only does this. Our family is like this. We do this in a circle of friends, right? Of what things do you celebrate and what things do you tolerate? 
And what things do you actually name that you shouldn't tolerate, but you don't name anything else, right? We do this in departments at work, right? Of like, well, our department, we do this. This is our office, and this is how things go. And really, we do this in uh, spiritual communities as well. We are actually famous for this. And it's not always bad, right? Like, um, uh, we, we create these boundaries, or we create these, like, avenues, or even better, let's say we, we create these structures of where we have clear boundaries, we have clear lines of saying, well, this is what it means to be a part of this family, right? We're going to be generous. We're going to, um, like I was just, just telling someone, when you walk in anyone's home, you're going to find out, oh, this is Mug Club. When you walk into someone's home, you're going to find out what they value quickly, right? Like if you walked in my house, um, you're going to see that uh, we value feeding like 100 teenagers every night because there's literally food everywhere. <laughs> it's like we go to bed and they're like rats. They come out, they're like, we must eat the food. And we don't know how to clean up. And so, um, oh, yeah, we, we, yeah, I'm like, what am I saying? But we, we have these clear, these, these structures or these boundaries um, um, that create the spaces that we find ourselves in. And this can be really, really good. But when it can become toxic, when it can become problematic, is when you're in your structure and you look at other people's structures. And you're like, oh, I'm happy for you. That's a cute little structure you got over there. But really, you want to be in our space. You want to be in our system. You want to be in our community. And to be in our community, right, looks like um, you have to act or look or believe or behave like us. And when you do that, you can cross over that boundary. Because when you have boundaries and structures, you know who's in and who's out. You can even say, well, we know who is good. And by knowing who's good, you also know who is bad. You know what's sacred. You know what's holy. And you know what's not. And when, when you have this kind of system, when you have this kind of structure, you can begin to um, uh, judgment, right? This is where we judge other people. And as part of an evangelical system for decades and decades that I was, my training was to help get people who are outside of our structure, outside of our system, and to get them into our system. And how you came into that system, it wasn't just like, hey, yeah, Hannah, just walk on in and get the best of it. It was, no, 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 you have to, um, and we, we didn't always say this out loud, but we'd say, oh, you have to believe like we believe. You actually have to worship like we worship. You have to, like, care about the same things we care about. And actually, we have a series of, like, four classes. So you are on the same page. So not just so you can agree with it, so you can function in it. And I'm not saying that's always inherently bad or evil. But what you're doing is you're saying to belong, you have to look like us. Right? And you can only sustain that for so long. And it's in those environments where we can really be violent to other people. Absolutely. Instead of celebrating, of saying the, the belonging is not in what you believe, the belonging is not in what you perform, the belonging is not if you sit in the front row or the balcony, right? the, the, the belonging is always within. That's messy. That's complicated. And those rigid structures don't, might all, not always be as needed. And this is something we've done as um, Christianity since the very beginning of people saying, oh, no, 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 no. And the whole story of the Bible is people saying, well, we know what God is, and God's like, um, come again? <laughs> One more time? Like, they're like saying, no, no, God looks like this. God can only be in this space. God can only be in this temple. God can only be on this mountain, whatever it might be. And this God is running wild all throughout the universe. But this is what we do as humans. We try naming something that can never be named, right? We try containing something that can never be fully contained. That's why we call God, God. 
And in the story of the Bible, people are doing this, and God is continually evolving, not evolving, God is continually moving and growing and expanding in new ways of believing and new ways of knowing and new ways of love, which, thank God, because we do the same exact thing. And what we're going to read is this passage where Paul is writing to um, the church in Corinth. And Corinth is this wild town. There was a, a sermon series by a pastor, um, and he called it... Um, Christians Gone Wild, which I think is the perfect name, right? Christians Gone Wild is the perfect name for what's happening in Corinth. Because in Corinth, it is, there's all this commerce. So you have different cultures. You have different um, ways of believing. You have different worship spaces. You have different food. You have different ways of, of thinking about the ground you stand on and, and belonging and with the divine. And in Corinth, there is this wild group of diverse people that find some sort of hope and believability in the narrative of Jesus, and they're trying to come together and love one another and practice their own faith, right, what they're bringing with them, along the other side and including the Jesus narrative in their faith. It's beautiful and it's wild. Like in chapter 11, um, Paul is speaking uh, to a group of people who are doing communion, right, this family meal, and there's a group of people who are eating all the food, right? They're like, we're hungry. People like me get to eat whenever we want right? They created this narrative, this idea. Well, then people would show up who are hungry, and there wouldn't be a spot at the table for them. There wouldn't even be food left for them. So Paul's saying, what about this crazy idea that everyone gets included, right? Maybe even on the sacrament. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal, right? Everyone is included. We want to include people. We want to gather people, not just restrict. There's um, several things like this that pop up over and over again. And what we're reading in chapter... In chapter 3, Paul's speaking to um, who you believe. 1 Corinthians three twenty one. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos, Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Now, in like those couple of verses, this is wild. Because what Paul is bringing up here is there's, in this diverse group of community, diverse ways of thinking and belonging, there's people are saying, yeah, man, Apollos, he's the real deal, right? His long flowing hair, his robe, his sandals are on point. Apollos, he's got it going on. Now the people are like, oh, my man, man, my man Cephas, high five Cephas, right? He knows what's really going on. He brings the heat when he preaches, right? He knows, he knows exactly what we're supposed to be doing. So I'm following Cephas. There's other people like Paul, who Paul, I don't believe, ever visited Corinth, right? He's like, he writes really great letters. I love his handwriting. I feel a lot of inspiration in Paul. And what Paul is saying is, essentially, all these groups of people are saying, I'm happy for you. If that inspires you, if that moves you, you find belonging, that's great. But all things are yours. That's the key part of the verse. All things are yours. It's not all things are theirs. All things are yours. And then he goes, doubles down, because he says, it, regardless if it's in death or in life, so the things that have gone before you, generations, ways of thinking, that we're standing here today because of the sacrifice and the investment of other people, he's saying, whatever they offered, that's great. In this moment right here, it's wonderful. Then he goes, in the present and even in the future. So whatever is going to come, whatever new ways of thinking or believing or belonging, he's saying, all of it belongs and all of it is yours. Because you are of Jesus and Christ is of God. And who is God? The music's still playing. I just heard that. <laughs> I'm like, I hear country music. 
Right? Who is God? What is God? The great I am. What else? What is God? Generous, yeah? This is the interactive part of church. <laughs> Casey's just, don't make eye talk to Hussadr. Don't look him in the eyes because he's going <laughs> to. The God, they're never ending. The Alpha and Omega, right? We, if we all like, had to describe God, we'd all come up with different words, right? Which is beautiful. But like the, the, the highest point, if I had to pick one thing that what or who um, God is, is love. How do we experience God? Divine love. When we see a firefighter run into a building, right, we say that is brave, that is strong. There is a love for humanity. They're willing to do whatever. And we'd say that is the ultimate act of love, right? And to me, the fullness of who God is is in that moment when I'm, huh, when I'm holding my puppy, right, of when I see beautiful what do I have, right? When I see a great movie or I'm with celebrating my marriage with my wife, I'm going on a walk in Jay Cook, in those moments, I experience the divine love. And so what Paul is saying, whatever you find inspiration in, whatever you like, like put your, your, your stake in and say, no, this is the right way, Paul says, I'm happy for you as long as the receipts are love. As long as the fruit of what you are moving in and what you're doing, if it's love, it could look wildly different. Right? Casey and I might think about things like about dancing very differently, right? Because she's a good dancer and I'm an elite dancer, is what I meant to say. Um, but if the end result is love, that's, that's all that matters. And this, this, gets, um, this gets problematic because in our spiritual communities or our friends, we really like to have those boundaries because it makes us feel good, right? It makes us feel safe. It makes us feel like, well, I, I know I'm winning, right? Like my whole thing of like um, people who say, well, you know, we have to have a conscious tormenting place that, you know, church is historically called hell because God is a just God. And I'm like, or you want to feel extra special, right? If we're really good and we did all the right things, we checked all the boxes and so we get to heaven, there has to be someone who has to be punished because I'm even extra better if I know there's people who are extra bad. Right? And how do we know where that line is? Those boundaries that we make. If you say this prayer, if you believe this thing, if you do the right thing, then you get to be in our club. And our club, I can tell you, is going to some place in the future that's really, really great. Don't you want to be in our club? Like, nah, no, nah, not at all, man. <laughs> right? If we need a conscious tormenting hell, I don't want to be in that club because that is a monster, that is a monster God, right? And so these structures that make us feel good and make us feel safe comes out of this place called um, scarcity mindset. And as humans, we've been doing this forever. We think there's only a limited supply of um, love, maybe from our parents. Maybe we feel there's only a limited supply of money or resources or attention from friends or like uh, uh, upward mobility at work. Or maybe you can even think there's only so much truth about God. And so we hoard as much as we can, feeling that if you might know something more about God than I do, that would be a threat to what I know about God. So I'm going to shame you, and I'm going to judge you. I'm going to say, like, uh, I just talked to someone. I shouldn't say the church's name. There was a church, and, um, yeah, I'm trying, like, don't say the name. So what I'm <laughs> like, don't say, where to get involved to serve, right? Not even lead, 
you would assign a, a statement of faith agreeing with their 28 points of statement of faith. 28. I don't know if maybe we could agree on like three in this room right now of like we all agree on these three things. 28 is a lot, right? And do I believe that everyone who's in that church really believe those 28 things? No, there's no way. Why? Because we all have different expressions of what we think belonging and divine and love looks like. But you sign the piece of paper, why? Because you want to be in. And it feels really, really, really good to be included. So the scarce, the scarce mindset will keep us from um, expanding or thinking or dreaming of new things. Because like Rob Bell, uh, who is a writer and a speaker, um, he was speaking, uh, he was talking on the parable of the workers at the vineyard where people show up and uh, they work all day. If you work 12 hours or you work 10 minutes, everyone got paid exactly the same. And the workers who were there in the, uh, in the morning, of course, are losing their mind. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We worked a lot harder. We are worth more. I can prove to you my value, my worth. And the, the vineyard owner says, everyone gets paid the same, Right? And what Rob, Rob Bell said is when we think about this scarce mindset, we think there's only so much of God to go around. There's only so much of forgiveness or love. He says, how do you divide infinity? Right? If we change our mind from thinking we have to protect this boundary, we have to protect this line, instead of Paul saying everything is yours, all of it, wherever you find inspiration, a love, that's all that matters and move towards it. And it's a wild, wild space, which is the same thing. That Jesus says, when he tells the parable of the, the, the son who goes to his dad and says, hey, money bags, I want my money now, give it to me. Dad gives it, he goes, he blows it all away. And then he comes back, expecting to get punished, and the dad throws the robe on him, puts the ring, and throws a rager of a party, right? And that's usually where we stop. The whole point of the parable is not just in the, the benevolence of this father or that you can always come back. It's the son, the older son, and as the music is going outside, right, and people are laughing and they're clinking glasses, the son's inside, the dad sees it, he comes in, he goes, uh, hey, my man, there's a party out there, let's go, and the son says what? He says, dad, we created this structure of what family does. This is who we are. I'm the one who stayed. I'm the one who did everything right. I can prove to you the receipts that I am loyal. I am good. I'm included. I'm included. I am holy. It's that loser out there that you're throwing a party for that brought shame to us, right? Very black and white. He can prove because of that structure. And the dad says what? Dad says, son, you've missed the plot. Everything I have is yours. Everything. Look around. All this belongs to you from the moment you were born, not because of your work, not because you're in the structure, because the belongings inside of you. And he ends it with, and I'm with you always. Which Jesus is telling a story about what it means to belong and connect with the divine. And Paul's saying the same thing. If everything is ours, then it's not dependent on if we get it right or we don't get it right. If everything is ours, it means everywhere we go, there's a possibility to experience this divine love. There's nowhere in this world that we can't call home. If God is in every single element of energy, moment, and second. So what does this have to do with us? Like, part of my job, 
that I love is to help people discover where those boundaries might be, right? And some of those boundaries that we put up, those rigid, rigid structures, we put up because we have to survive. Like to my sober friends, right? You have a line that you're not going to cross because one drink's too many, right? And one drink is never enough, as Kenny Chesney once said, right? And so that is a boundary that you've set up because for your health and for your life. So not all boundaries are bad. But my job as pastors, like, bump up to those boundaries or those obstacles that maybe someone else put there for you. Like, I, I just heard a story. Um, David Gushy, one of my favorite authors, um, tweeted out, um, hey, do you want to know why people are leaving evangelicalism? <laughs> this is so funny. Um, there was a, a worship leader who happened to not be a man, happened to be a woman, right? And at the end of the worship set, um, she tells everyone, you may be seated. Can you see the threat of this already, right? Because the elders in the church came up to her right after and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, great job leading worship. But as a woman on stage, you cannot direct men what to do. That is unbiblical. And they reprimanded her. Exactly, right? This is stuff that happens all the time. We create these rules that we think we're doing out of love. We create these boundaries or these lines. We put these obstacles in front of people saying, don't blame me, blame God. Where really, we can blame you. <laughs> we can blame the culture or the generation or whatever it might be who created these obstacles that we don't need to hit. And that process is called deconstruction, which we talk about often. Like, um, I've had several conversations with people in week one. I use the pronoun for God as mother instead of father. And there was people who were like, well, wait, hold on. They, they hit a boundary of saying, this is new to me. I thought we don't do that. It's like, well, why? Why don't we do that? Those are really, really healthy and scary moments. And I bring that up because this is a place that you can be inspired to love. This is a place, hopefully, you're going to bump up against something and be like, whoa, whoa, slow down there, solder, right? And I love processing and talking about those things. Because if all things belong, it can feel scary at times, but it can also feel incredibly liberating. I talked to a young woman last week who said, um, I, I, I'm still with God, Jesus is my homeboy, but all my friends, they left Christianity. They couldn't do it anymore for what the church did to them. And she looked at me, she started crying, and she's like, but I still find God compelling. I still believe of the Jesus story. I'm like, friend, it is a very lonely place, and you're in a great group of people who are walking what you're walking through and have gone before you, and I could tell you, it is wildly liberating. It gets so much better. So my encouragement to you, and next week we'll start a whole new series. Actually, next week, Rebecca Rick is talking uh, to celebrate Pride Month. She's going to be talking about uh, queer spirituality. Um, but in this space at Neighborhood, I'm glad that I get to be in a place where if we have the receipts, we have the fruit of love, then all things belong. And we don't need to divide sections. We don't need to divide. You can't divide infinity. Infinity. There is endless amounts of opportunity and love. So let me pray. And if you'd like, I forgot to say this last two weeks, if you'd like to ask questions or process or you'd like to pray, like you can come grab me at any point, like, this is what I do professionally, and I'm quite good at it. So if you'd like, if you'd like to ask a question or like, well, why did you say there? How did you get there? 
or you want some more resources, I'd love nothing more to do that. So join me as we pray. So God, we love you. And thank you for the wildness and the abundance and the benevolence and the generosity of who you are. And I thank you that that you've helped a lot of us hit those like boundaries, hit those obstacles. And we have to reimagine, is that something that is healthy? Is that something that was handed to me? Is that something that I need? And that we can move past those and through those into those wild places of beauty and liberation. And I thank you for the diverse way of that we find belonging even in this community. And the way that we show up and inspire others, the way that we uh, give to others, the way that we help other people, inspire other people, can look so different and that it can be all still like this radical belonging we call Neighborhood Church. So I pray that this can continue, God, to be a place where we can say love always wins. And we love you. Amen. All right, thank you, friends. Enjoy your holiday weekend.